Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Matt. Hi, my name is Matt. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm uh, down 160 pounds from my top weight. I have over three years of abstinence. Got a picture to prove it. And I guess uh, I'll just start with saying that at where I'm at now, October 15th, God willing, it'll be four years. And I'll tell you, what I'm learning now is how to find balance with my program. Because I come from this place of complete black and white thinking. And the way that I work my program, not my program, but the way I, I work the program now is different than how I worked it at one year of abstinence. Or not, when I worked it at 30 days. And, you know, now it's like my life's gotten bigger. I have more opportunities and trying to find the right time to meditate or, you know, when I have to have meals at 10 o'clock at night because I didn't get off work or, you know, I've just changed my job and I'm getting married. All these things are happening. And you know what? I don't know how to handle it. And the whole point is, is this program has taught me that I'm going through life for the first time and I'm not going to know how to handle it and I'm going to screw it up and it's going to be tough and I'm scared shitless. And this program teaches me, yeah, you should be. And it's okay. But I have people around me, I have a program that, that helps, me, helps me make the best decisions for myself. They allow me to stop and say, no, 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 don't, not, what do you, not what you think you need, but what does your higher power want for you? That's what this program has taught me. And even that, it's like when you say it, it sounds so corny. What does my higher power want for me? Honestly, it's whatever, it's usually opposite of what my thinking tells me. And you know, like my, my sponsor, he... He grabbed the, the 15 questions one time. It's like we talk about our disease of compulsive overeating, okay? And it's like we, with my sponsees, like they want to talk about the food all the time. And I know I want, that's all I wanted to do. I was like, if I can figure the food thing out, then everything else will line up. Especially when I first came into OA because we're compulsive overeaters. So it's like, do you eat when you're not hungry? Here's about, do you think, or do you think, when, when you don't want to think, do you go on eating binges for no, do you go on thinking binges for no apparent reason? Do you have feelings of guilt and remorse after overeating? Do you have feelings of guilt and remorse after overthinking? Uh, do you give too much time and thought to food? Do you give too much time to thinking? Uh, do you look forward in pleasure and anticipation to the time when you can think alone? Do you plan those, <laughs> do you plan these secret thinking binges ahead of time? Do you, eat, do you think sensibly before others and make up for it alone? Yeah. I had everybody fooled. At 340 pounds, I had everybody fooled that I had it together. You wouldn't believe it. I walked around. I knew how to put you in your place quicker than anybody. And the thing is, like, my father, I, I come from an alcoholic household. You know, my dad, he got sober, but you know, he never really worked a program. So he stopped drinking, but he was angry as hell. I was like, please drink. Please. Just drink, because you'd be nicer. <laughs> and, and I was young when he, got, when he got sober. You know, I was young. But I got to have that experience of seeing what this is like when you don't, when you don't have a program to, to work through things. And here's the thing. is like, I'm a sick human being. I don't know how to live life. Like, who wants to sit here and say we're a sick human being? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I would sit down and think that, okay, this time I can only have one piece of cake. I'm only going to have one piece. I'm only going to have one piece. 
I eat a whole pie. Here's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater. When I can look at a piece of cake and I can sit there and say, I don't see how a person can eat one piece and not gain weight. I don't know how a person can eat that stuff and not gain weight. Like, I can't logically make sense of that. Because for me, it always meant a five-pound weight gain. Because it never ended with the one piece of cake. Okay? So, like, I've, been, I've been heavy my whole life. And the thing is, I could sit here and analyze why. I could tell you it's because of my parents. It's because of this. It's because of that. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because me knowing the answers isn't going to change it. The only thing that changes my, my, the only thing that makes any changes in my life is when I take actions that are different than the ones that cause me pain, than different than the ones that cause me harm. So when I could get honest, the only way I could make any changes is when I could sit down and say, you know what, what I'm doing is not working for me. When I came to the point where I had just moved out here to L.A., I was, I had, I, in high school, I had lost a lot of weight. I, had, I was, like, chewing and spitting food out. I was hardly eating, and I was exercising, like, two to three hours a day, and I worked at a bakery. So I would buy, I would, I, I would take the day-old bread, I'd sit in the parking lot of the gym, I'd eat the entire loaf of bread, and then I'd go into the gym and I would exercise. Talk about incomprehensible demoralization. This whole idea of beating myself up, thinking, why can't I do this right? Why am I doing this insanity? Why am I acting out in this way? And I'm beating myself up. And the whole point is, is normal people don't do that stuff. Normal people don't do that stuff. I'm not going to tell a cancer patient, don't have cancer. You should be ashamed because you have cancer. This program has taught me that I'm a compulsive overeater. And the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which this program is based after, talks about the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. When I start eating certain substances, I can't stop. That says that there's just a problem with my body. I have an allergy. Just like some people, you know, they're fortunate enough to take a pill. We don't get to. For me, I have to work a program. Because the whole point is, it's like, so I, now I have this idea, and, and, and Bill talks about it. He talks about how, like, okay, he knew. He finally had an understanding of what the disease was. An allergy is the body, the obsession of the mind. There's certain foods, once I start, I can't stop. Or, you know, when I start drinking alcohol, I can't stop. He's like, oh, I get it. I get it. You know, and for me, too, it's like I went on a diet, I lost all that weight, went to college, gained it all back. Every time I went home from school, I didn't leave the house. I was demoralized. I lost all this weight, and I went home, and I'm 340 pounds. I was through. I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to look at me. Because I'm so ashamed of being alive. But you know what? When I was at school, I overcompensated. I got great grades. I was involved in everything. I was an RA at 340 pounds telling other kids how to live their lives and do this and do that. I was crazy and I still am crazy and I have a program that filters me filters me so that I am not harming myself for the world around me that's what this program allows me to do and so like Bill he had this idea he knew he's like okay I'm an alcoholic he goes well, I know that I can't drink alcohol so self-knowledge is going to save me and what happened but he went on a it's either him or someone else in the store but then they go on a business trip and there they're at it again back in the food or back in the alcohol or whatever. So, okay, obviously me knowing that I have this allergy isn't enough. So the question is, is why do I go to these substances that I know are still going to cause me pain? Why do I go to this place where all I want to do is escape? And you know what, for whatever reason, I don't have the tools to live. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't have the faith that I'm going to get through this crazy shit that whatever's going on in my life. And you know what, this program tells me I'm going to be okay. The program says, be honest about what's going on so that you don't have to go back to the food. It's a spiritual program of action. And what is spiritual? Like, I mean, that's... The, I still don't get it. You know, I had a spiritual experience at the dentist's office the other day. 
I'll tell you about it. So I haven't, I had, it wasn't really a spiritual experience, but a moment of enlightenment that showed me just how deep this program goes and how simple this program goes. So I, they did this whole, because I go to the dental school and they did this whole like descaling on my mouth where basically they just like shave off the calcium that's on your teeth. I don't know, well, I don't know what they were doing to me. Anyway, so I, I, then they told me, make sure you floss, make sure you floss, all this stuff. They're like, you have great teeth, but you have periodontitis, so I have this infection that won't go away, or disease that won't go away, or I don't know, something like that. So floss. Okay, floss every night. I stopped. I didn't do it. So I went back again to do more dental work, and they're like, I'm sorry, we can't do that work because these pockets have come back, and it's basically because you haven't been flossing, you haven't been doing your work. And my first thought is like, I can't make myself floss. I cannot. I'm too tired. I'm not going to. I said, and I said to her, I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Like, I, I really don't know. And the thing is, is like, I really like my teeth. Even when I was big, it was the one thing I was proud of was my teeth. My teeth. And now like, I have gums that are doing stuff. So I'm like, this is not, no. So, and the thought, so the thought occurred to me with this part, I said, I could ask God for the willingness to brush my teeth. And I'm like, no, that's corny. No, I can't ask God for the willingness to brush my teeth. Like, that's not right. Like, you can't do that. And the whole point is, is like, I won't do it. I really won't. And I'm like, that's too simple to say, God, I I can't do it right now, but just give me the strength to do whatever it is that I need to do. Just help help me out. I didn't floss last night, but I did this morning to make up for last night. That's that's better than it was. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Um, but the whole point is, is like that's how it is for me with this program. It's like when I came in, I had just moved out here to LA, and and I, you know, I had free housing because I was doing something through my school, and I had I had some credit on my credit card. I had some cash that my mom had given me to help me move out here to LA and like pursue my dreams and pursue my passions, this and that. And I wasn't getting a job. I'm 300 pounds, and I'm going to the job interviews, and I'm crying because I'm like LA is so bad to me, man. Like I, just, you know, LA is a tough town, and like they're sitting there like, yeah, it is. I'm like, I don't think I got that job, you know, if you're crying in your interview. But <laughs> anyway, so I hit my bottom. L.A.'s a lovely town. Let me tell um, so my bottom consisted of, it got to the point where I, I started to go to a personal trainer back when I lived in Philadelphia before I moved out here to L.A. And he, they put me on this high-protein, low-carb diet so I could eat a pound of bacon at night and still lose weight. It worked. But is that sane? Is that healthy? No, it's not. But that's what I was doing. So I moved out here, and I'm gaining the weight back. I'm almost back up to 340 pounds, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, I, don't, and I, went out to a, I went out to dinner with this friend of mine, and she had gotten sober, and she was young, and, and she told me some of the reasons why she was drinking, and it was very similar to me. And, and I was like, what? I don't, and I don't remember what happened, but I made a phone call to somebody, and I said, it was too... Somebody at one of the OA meetings, and I said, I, I want to come to your meeting. I said, what do I have to bring? She goes, you don't have to bring anything. Just bring yourself. I know you're giving yourself the greatest gift you could ever give yourself. And I said, that's pretty lofty to be willing to say that. <laughs> like, who does she think she is? Uh, I went to the meeting, and I kept going, and, and you know, I, I, I met one other guy there who had just come back from a relapse, and he looked just as scared as I was, and and I just kept going, and 
and I got a sponsor, and I'm, I was still not, I didn't have housing, and I got 30 days, and I lost it, and I mean, when I lost my absence, it was like, I went out, and I didn't buy a cake, like, I made a cake, and ate it, and I didn't even have, like, I didn't even have, like, a baking pan, like, I put that shit on a cookie sheet somehow, I don't know what I was doing, I was crazy, I was crazy. <laughs> Hopefully somewhere in Indiana is going to relate to this and be like, I did that too. Um, um, And the whole point is, is like I was in so much pain because I got this to this point where I said, I know I can't go home because I just graduated college and I had promised my mom when I went off to college, I said, I'm not going to ever come back and live here again. I love you, but I'm not going to come back and live here again. And I just knew, I was like, what am I supposed to do? I was at that jumping off point. I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I can't get a job. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was to the point where I didn't want to die, but I didn't, I, the food stopped working. That feeling of peace and ease, the food can do it, man. Give me a, you know, put some food in front of me, even a piece of bread, and there's that sense of, ah. I'm an addict when it comes to food. I will lie, cheat, steal. I remember as a kid get, grabbing pound cake and running upstairs when I hear my parents coming, hiding it behind the toilet, and then my mom finding it and being like, Matt, what is this? What do you do? What do you do? You know? I mean, the thing is, is like we are no different than an alcoholic. And don't think that we can't get in a car accident just like someone driving drunk. Because God knows we're looking at the french fries we're pulling out of the bag sitting next to us. You know, I take this program seriously. This is life or death for me because I was at the point where I'd rather cut my arm and feel physical pain because I did not know how to deal with the emotional pain that I was feeling because I did not know how to really deal with the fact of rejection or the fact that I don't know how to handle life, the fact that I'm scared. Fear. I never learned how to deal with fear. And when I came into this program, it said, you know what? You can deal with fear and you don't have to eat over it. You don't have to use food to get through it. Because, well, what about fear? False evidence appearing real? They told me that my head talks to me? That was the greatest thing I ever heard. When someone told me, you know what? Your head's going to tell you things that isn't, that's not real. My head tells me I'm a piece of crap. It tells me I'm a nobody. You know, I never thought I was going to find love. At 340 pounds, I had this idea of I'm not going to date anyone. I'm not going to look at anyone until I'm down at the weight that I want to be at because I have this vision of what it should look like. And then my fiance, she pursued me, she pursued me, pursued me. And I said to her, I was like, you are sick. I said, you are sick? I said, you need a program because look at me. Like, you don't want this. And I knew, I said, I am so screwed up. I said, you don't want this. That's... What human being turns down love? I'll tell you, a compulsive overeater does. And my first sponsor, so anyways, we started dating. I was still in the food, and this is before program. And, and I was like, well, we'll just date for a little bit. I'll just, you know, it doesn't look what I want it to look like, so it can't be real. Okay? And now, four years later, we've been together five. You know, she's in the program as well. She has a year of abstinence, and... And, um, you know, we're getting married in December. And, of course, Maya head still tells me, you know what, I'm a piece of crap. I'm not good enough. She's not good enough some days, depending on the day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, but that's real. That's real. I don't always like everybody. I really don't. And I don't have to. But the program teaches me, I don't have to like you, but I still got to treat you right. That's what this program teaches me. Because that, that's how I can put my head on my, on my pellet at night and be okay. I can think whatever I want. I've thought about killing people before. Am I going to do it? No. 
<laughs> but like my first sponsor, he took me to a um, he took me to an AA meeting, and afterwards, um, he, he's like, "We're going to go on a field trip." So we went on this field trip to an AA meeting, and, and afterwards, um, they all went out. They all went to a diner, and and and, uh, and uh, they said to me, "They're like, We're, we'll let you a- ask any questions you want." about the 12-step program. And so it's a circle of all these guys and a couple girls and so intimidating and I'm, you know, 300 pounds and I'm, you know, so they're, and they said, we'll let you ask any questions you want, but out of respect, they're going to we are willing to give you the one thing we can't ever get back and what is that? I said, I don't know, what is it? What is it? They said, we are willing to give you our time. And so then I sat there and they answered all my questions and that, and that, that I always remember. I said, this program, if people are willing to give me their time, which is their most valuable possession that they can't ever get back, that tells me that there's something here. And the thing is, is this program isn't about us telling each other what to do. If I'm telling you what to do, I might as well go get on a diet because that's all diets are telling me what to do. You look at all the billboards, they all tell you how to lose weight, but none of them tell you how to keep it off. Because it's not about what I eat or how I eat, it's about how I manage my life. Or, lack thereof, don't manage my life. You know, and the big book talks about the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. And page 30, when I want to know if I'm in my disease, and I'm not just talking about with food, I'm talking about with life. Because the way I approach food is the way I approach life. It's never good enough. I always want more. And more importantly, how can I manipulate it and control it so I can still eat what I want and lose weight? You know, and... And it says, the idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity. Uh, the, and then here's the thing. It's like, so we're trying to control our drinking and our eating or whatever it is that, that our thing is. And it says, the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. So, obsession, illusion, insanity, delusion. So that's, when I'm really crazy, I don't go to the step three. Because how am I willing to turn my life over to the care of a power greater than myself unless I can sit here and realize that, wow, I'm in my disease. I'm in obsession. I'm in my insanity. I'm in, I'm in this delusion that I can control it. And the whole point is, is like, you know, I have sponsors that can't get absent, can't stay absent, or they just want to talk about the food. And the thing is, is, or they have great success in AA, but they don't approach it with the same vigor over here. This is my program. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a hundred pounder. If I don't work this program, I'm dead. And now I'm trying to find balance. You know, when I got a year, God willing, God bless him, this guy, he, you know, I was really one of the younger people in program at the time, and, um, and, and I got a year, and I was a delegate, and he was like, I nominate you to be on the board. <laughs> okay, I'll be on the board, because I'm a people pleaser, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. <laughs> so I've been on the board for the past three years, and I moved, I've recently moved over to North Hollywood. And part of the requirements of being on the board are, are attending an L.A. intergroup meeting on a regular basis. And I've been trying to make it work, and trying to make it work, and I can't. I can't get over here anymore. And so I had to step down from my position. And the thing is, is like for me, it's like when I was new, it was black and white. Put OA first. OA comes first. So that, mean I, that means I went to all my meetings. When my sponsor told me to call him, I called him. And the thing is, people don't want to hear this stuff. They want to think that this is a fluffy little program because, uh, for me because my life was so hard. I want you to treat me and coddle me. I'm not going to get that because the whole point is that at the end of the day, we're clapping for each other for doing what we should be doing all along, which is not overeating. <laughs> I'm an addict. I am an addict. I will lie, cheat, and steal, and I'll hurt you so that I'll feel better about myself. You know, my sponsor says I'm loving on the individual and hard on the disease. 
loving on the individual, hard on the disease. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I sit on the phone and I'll listen to my sponsees for an hour. I'm, 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 a, I'm actually too passive. My sponsor's trying to get me to be a little bit more serious, you know. But when I was new and I had nothing, I didn't have a bed. I didn't even have a place. I was in a hotel for two days. I got a job in an apartment and I was abstinent. And I, and I got an apartment and a job within two or three weeks. And I had like 30 days of abstinence. Because I started to do what people told me to do in this program. And yeah, we talk about suggestions, but it says, if you want what we have and you're willing to go to any lengths, are they really suggestions? Because what I was doing before really wasn't working. So why am I going to sit there and, and, and like, okay, I'll do this, but I won't do that. But like, how about we, you know, you want me to call you, but how about I do this? Or, and you know what? The first thing I did was I got on the phone and I got honest about my food. I said, you know what? I... The way I work my program now is different than how I worked it when I was new. Basically, I did I borrowed someone's absence. I did exactly what they did, and it worked. And when I went off it, I called like I, I ate the chicken skins of five chickens. Like I just was honest about whatever it was I was doing. You know, I got abstinent. My abstinence is my sobriety because I'm an addict. I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, put me in an AA meeting. I get it. And the whole point of, like, you know, I went to this one meeting, and it was a mixed meeting, it was for all A's, so I, th- I thought, oh, God, maybe I'll find somebody, there was no OA people there. <laughs> but the whole point is, is, like, I'm hearing all these stories of relapse, and that's with alcohol and drugs, and, you know, I, I remember, especially when I was new, I was like, but ours is so hard because it's food, and you have to do it three times a day, and da 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 It's hard. Being an addict is hard. It doesn't matter what it is. But the whole point is, is if I'm honest about what I'm doing with my food, then I can find, then, then, I, then I can trust that this program, people, there's other people that have done it. I can trust the experience of other 100-pounders who have 25 years of absence who have shown me that it works when I get honest about what's going on. You know, and I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. You know? A long chair. Um, <laughs> So anyways, like, when I was new, what I do with my... Because the thing is, like, I'm in this place where, you know, my... the my What I do on a daily basis for my program where I miss my meditation or I do it, I'm beating myself up constantly because it's not the way it was when I was new. And I had a sponsor who... We had phone meetings two nights a week and we went through the big book. He told me to read two pages a day. I did it. You know, I still, for the, to the best of my ability, I try to read two pages a day. But, you know, I so I was in this apartment. I had no air mattress and and, you know, like... Um, so I had an air mattress, and the first night I had it, it popped. This is like 3 in the morning. First day of my job was the next day, and it popped. And you know what? I, am I going to stay abstinent? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, I was a bottom of the barrel, and you know, it could, it could get worse. You know, and I'm so grateful that's what my bottom was. You know? And um, all I had to charge my cell phone was in my car. So if my battery was low, I sat and had my phone meeting with my sponsor in my car. I'd go to any lengths. Because I don't have a choice. That's what this program has taught me. And if I want to recover, these are the things I have to do. Because before, I could screw this up at a drop of a hat. And it's so precious. It's so precious what this program has given me. And the thing is, is like, to work with you, to be a, to work with people in this fellowship and in this program, like, I don't have to like you either. And you don't have to like me. 
you know, my, my fiance was joking. She said, somebody went up to her and said, Matt doesn't really socialize in the program, does he? And I, and, and I do. I, I hang out with people after meetings. I'll go to fellowship, but it's about my recovery. It's about me working with other people in the program. Because this isn't a social club. It's a spiritual program of recovery. And I've found people that are going to be a part of my life forever. Forever. But you know what? I've, I've also know people in this program who they were really a huge part of my life and a part of my recovery, and they're gone. And they stopped answering my phone calls. That's how precious this is. I sponsees who just fought, fell off the face of the earth. Don't return my phone calls. Ashamed because they started eating again. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, or they join house, and then they just never call you back. <laughs> but <laughs> um, my sponsor says abstinence is just the beginning. My sponsor says abstinence is just the beginning. You know. Like my sponsor talk, we talk about like you know like he like Matt, you're trying to find balance now. You're trying to find balance. You know, like my I was complaining about my job. I've been at my job, the same job I got absent at for four years, and I hated it. I hated it. I because there were other things I wanted to do. I was finally this program is showing me that if I work the principles in all my affairs, like I there's a lot of things that I can accomplish with my life with the program. And I knew I needed to quit my job, and I was scared, and I was scared because I couldn't find another job, and because I had this full-time job. And I was on the phone all the time with my sponsor. My sponsor finally was, like, yelling at me. He was like, I'm done. Like, dude, you need to, like, make a decision. Or don't. Stay at your job and be happy or make a decision. He yelled at me because he was over it. Because I get in that obsession and the illusion, the insane delusion of just trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. So the next day on the phone, he goes, Matt, I, you know, I want to make amends for, for how I talked to you. And you know what we did? He read, he read the entire, my entire way to work that day. We, we, we read Reagnostics. We read Reagnostics, and that chapter is all about finding a power greater than yourself that can take care of you. And, um, and, he, and he, goes, he goes, if you really want to feel close to God, quit your job today. And I said, well, today would be a good day because Friday's payday, and then I can't. <laughs> and all day I was like, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I have my dental. I said, I have to get this dental work done, and that's $300, and I can't afford that. I should wait till after that. Come, I, you know. And the thing is, someone had hit my car mare off my car, and I was like, and I was trying to get other things fixed on my car, too. And I'm like, well, I got this full-time job, and, how, you know, I'll just do this, I'll do that. One, a mare got ripped off my car. I was like, things are going to happen no matter what I'm doing. I said, there's always going to be something that's going to prevent me. Just like this program, there's always going to be a reason not to, not to give in and do what this program tells you to do. You know? And then when I, got, I was at work and I'm like, do I quit? Do I not quit? I'm working all day and I'm just like in tears all day not knowing what to do. And then I get a call from the dental student who said, it turns out that it's going to be $150 less. And something hit me. It said, I'm going to be okay no matter what. And I quit my job. I had applied to graduate school and I didn't get in. And um, I had done all this training, all, all these rehearsals with this coach to do these monologues really well. Then I used one of them for this little play. It turns out they have a conservatory four-month program I got into. They offered me a full scholarship. But I wouldn't have gotten that if I didn't apply to grad school and not get into, any, not get into anything. You know? It doesn't matter. We don't know. I don't know why things work out the way they do. But the more I abstain, I, I, this, my sponsor says, like, it's not about time, it's about experience. And faith for me is about experience, because I don't have faith in much. But when I have these experiences where things, 
I'm okay time after time. That's what I need. All I know is like, God, let me abstain so I can see a miracle. God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. And somehow, something always happens. Like, my life isn't picture perfect. I'm doing this program. I'm working 6 to 11 o'clock at night. I don't know if I can pay my bills at the end of this month. But you know what? I am calmer than I've ever been in my life. You know, and this whole idea of, like, what serenity is. I have this idea that I have to, like, walk on water in order to be doing this program right. And one thing my sponsor says is serenity is being able to act appropriate within given circumstances. That really took the pressure off for me to have to be, like, serene all the time. Because I'd be like, I'm going to meditate and I'm going to feel what serenity is. <laughs> for me, serenity is when I can hear what my head's telling me and I don't respond to everything it says. You know, that to me, that to me is, is um, what this program is about. When I did my fourth step, um, I which is an inventory. It's not about I'm good, I'm bad. It's about simply taking stock of what my life has been. Just like a store. you got to get rid of what's bad. Bill was great. He knew he was a businessman, so he said, okay, just like a store takes an inventory of, 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 it, of its inventory, what works and what doesn't, we get to take stock of our lives. Because you know what? I was eating over my parents. I was eating over this. I was eating over that. You know, where I'm going home in three days to visit my parents just to be with them. I'm... You'd think my parents thought I was dying, but they're like, you know, if you could just come home by yourself one more time before you get married. And, and you know what? I do. I need to get home. I need to see them. I need to see them. You know? Because with all my life's up in the air, and I do. I feel a little like I'm growing up, and I'm getting to grow up in a program with people who understand me and people who get me. And, um... So any of my inventory, I, the whole point is, is like, I tell you, just do the program. Just do it, because then you get to have these really cool experiences that you get to talk about. Like, when I did my inventory, I went every Saturday, and, and you know, God bless my fiance before she joined the program, I said, just so you know, you know, when you're new, and like, you just got to let everyone know you're in OA, and, you know, you're just what you're doing. I was like, I'm in OA, and uh, it becomes, it, it's, before you, you're secondary, and always first, and, you know, <laughs> I love you, but I love God more, and this is the only way I'm going <laughs> to, that was before I got to step 12, where it talks about, like, practicing the principles in all your affairs, but, <laughs> so every Saturday, I'd be like, you know, always more important, so I'm going to go work on my four step, you know, and, uh, the way I did my inventory was I would go to this little restaurant, I would get my breakfast, and I'd sit there and I'd write a little bit. It was painful because these are the things I'm dealing with for the first time. So then I'd write a little bit, and then I'd go walk around the mall, and I'd sit down at another coffee shop with another latte. I'd write a little more. I think I would go through like four or five drinks in a day, you know, whatever you got to do. And so I'm writing my inventory. So then I'd go walk around another store, sit down, write a little bit more, go walk around Target, sit down, write a little bit more, go walk around Best Buy, sit down, and write a little bit more. And you know what? That's how I got through my inventory. That is how I got through my inventory. You know? They, they talk about, like, going to any lengths. And, like, the whole point is, like, my sponsor says we live in a physical world, so how do we manifest this stuff physically? For me, steps one, two, and three, admitted, admitting that I'm powerless... Step two, came to believe. For me, coming to believe was coming to these meetings and seeing other people who, who, who've lost over hundreds of pounds and have maintained it. 
And step three, making a decision, for me, just meant that I just did what I was told. Because you know what? I'm done. And I'm a people pleaser, and I want everyone to like me. So that, that character defect served me. Served me. Where now, like, when I wanted to go home to see my parents and my sponsor, he said, why do you need to get my approval to make a decision? I said, well, because I'm supposed to check things out. He goes, not everything. <laughs> and he didn't even necessarily agree with me going home. But he goes, you know what you need. That's recovery for me. You know, me, me stepping down from the intergroup board, that was me. That, that's growth. Because for me, putting OA first meant something different now. Because for me, it's like my whole, my whole self-esteem has come from doing esteemable acts, and I want to be the best. And, I, you know, I'll be honest. When I said I had to step down, they're like, okay, is this your last meeting? I was like, yeah. Like, can I get a certificate or something? Like, they said I was in the, like, I want, I want accolades. And when I was new, you guys provided me with that. And I got to put on special events, and I got to go to every meeting and say, hey, we have a special event next week, and it's Thanksgiving in the park, and if you have any questions, my info's in the 12-stepper, I'm the special events chairperson. So haughty, you know? And, and now it's like, the way I put OA first is I stepped down from my position because I was not serving the inner group the way they deserve to be served. And for me, that takes faith that God's going to take care of me. Because before it was about what I was, you know, I'm on the board and this means I'm in recovery and da 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 da. Where now maybe it means that I really need to focus on my sponsees or some other aspect of my program. I care about people. I care about people. I can cry for other people now. Don't don't get me wrong. It's still about me a lot of the time, and I can. It's funny how every situation I can somehow make it about me. But I don't have to, like, talk to you about it now. I can just, like, keep it to myself. I, I, I love this program. It's, it's, it's saved my life. And it continues to save my life because I continually want to make bad decisions. <laughs> Thank you guys for saving my life. Thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for helping me become who, who I've always wanted to become. I'm getting married, and I know that um, I'm not where I want to be. I know that that's okay. I'm scared to death. I'm scared. I'm scared, guys, about my life. I'm also, like, so excited, and that's new. And I'm, I'm not anything more or less than anyone else. I'll end with this. I used to be 340 pounds. I'm not that anymore. I'm at a healthy body weight. It doesn't mean I'm any saner than I was at 340 pounds. You know? And I'll show you. Like, you see this? Like, I look in the mirror when I have my clothes on. And I, you know, we think that people walk around that are thin. They got their shit together. They don't. They don't. Because I'm one of the people you probably think has their shit together. They don't. And, and the thing is, like, when I take off my shirt, you know, I wear, I wear an undershirt, guys. And it's because I have excess skin. And I need something just that will hold me a little bit so I can at least, like, you know, we have wreckage of our past and it all manifests in different ways. And, you know, we get to, here it gets to be not a, not a bad thing, but it gets to be an adventure that we get to share with each other. And we get to use our experience to help other people. My job is not to tell anyone what to do. My job is to share my experience. And I'm so grateful because I'm going to screw up, but at least I get to do it with you guys. So thank you for letting me share.